Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips Across the Pod podcast. I am Andy, your host, and, and this week we are joined by a special guest who's been on before. Uh, we have Rob from the Third and Gold podcast. How are you, Rob? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Andy. Thanks for asking me on, and how are you doing? Yeah, yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Um, are you looking forward to Sunday? Slightly. <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting down to London, uh, yeah. meeting some people, having a few beers, enjoying yeah. the experience and the atmosphere. The game, I'm not too sure on yet. I'll wait until uh, yeah. the game's ended to decide whether I enjoyed that or not. Are you, uh, <laughs> you heading to London for it? Yeah, so I'm going. I'm actually meeting Dan um, for breakfast in the morning. So I don't know whether oh. you're going to be there as well, but um, I agreed to meet Dan, who's not been on the podcast yet, um, from Third and Goal. Um, he, he saw on his Twitter that he was going to some some like breakfast thing going for NFL fans. So I asked him, do you tickets or can you just go? He said, you could just go. So, um, yeah, I, I agreed to meet him uh, as well at the train station as well. So hopefully I'll be seeing you at some point on Sunday. Yeah, I'm not sure whether whether I'm going for breakfast. He has mentioned it to me. But oh, right, yeah. I think I'm going to the Beehive in Tottenham uh, in the morning. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Falcons fans are meeting there on Sunday morning. And I think Dan's heading there as well. So if you end up there, um, sure, probably see you at some point. Yeah. And whereabouts are you sat in the stadium? Um like bang on halfway that's um, decent that is yeah but i'm in the top tier um got the got the word 92 pound oh yeah um but yeah they're pretty decent seats like a row away from 105 pound tickets or whatever they were so wow. yeah yeah had a look on the seat viewer on tottenham's website and the view looks amazing. I don't think, from what I've read, I don't think there's a bad seat actually in Tottenham. Uh, no, no. But yeah, looking forward to that. Whereabouts are you sitting? Um, so I'm in block five on seven. I'm not actually checked where that is. Um, but I know I went to the Raiders Bears game a couple of years ago, and that was we were very very high up, almost right at the top, and you've still got an amazing view. Um, but I do think any any sport, if you're on the near the halfway line, I think that's the absolute perfect spot for a to watch a game. I think you've got it. Obviously, you, you paid more money than I have for a ticket, so you, you get what you pay for, I suppose. But um, I reckon I reckon we're high up. I reckon for that for paying sixty pounds, I reckon we're we're fairly high up. Yeah, I think I'm in five two six or something like that, which is like okay. way line. So I guess you're yeah you're, yeah what seven or eight blocks away from me, one way or, or the other, I guess. Um, but yeah, I like the side on yeah. view. Um, I know some people prefer, especially in NFL, prefer sitting. Uh, behind the end zone but you know yeah. in sports halfway line is you know perfect yeah i think for me nfl when you sport actually you you get a better view that the, fur, the further out you are i think in football you can be behind the goals and you'll see everything but i think sometimes with you know the offensive line play and stuff like that i think um to be sort of far away you actually get a sometimes get a better view if you're higher because you can see the whole the whole pitch so i think in that sense i think it'll be good um but but yeah um i bet you were more confident before Sunday about beating the Jets after their performance against the Titans. Yeah, definitely. I thought, you know, even though we didn't have the greatest start, I thought at least we're playing the Jets in London. And uh, surely it wasn't a game that we could lose, particularly, especially as they've not scored a touchdown for two games in a row. Yeah. And, uh, Zach Wilson seemed to be throwing interceptions left, right and centre. But sounds like Wilson had a, had a great game. Um, I yeah. didn't see it because I was watching the Falcons. I put red zone on after the Falcons finished and they were showing a lot of overtime, but 
Sounds like Wilson had a great game. Mm. Just the one interception, couple of touchdown passes. Um, Titans, you know, they're a good team, and they're missing, you know, they're missing five or six starters, uh, particularly like uh, Brown and Julio Jones. Um, so that didn't help them. But the Jets can only beat who's in front of them. And uh, I said this on, I was on the ATL Falcons UK live stream on Monday night. And we recorded third and goal last night. And I said on both of those, and I'll say it again uh, today, is that I think that the Jets organisation and fan base will be looking forward to Sunday more than Falcons fans and the Falcons organisation. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Especially after what happened last time you came to London as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't a good result either. Um, no. <laughs> um, it was against the Lions and then losing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, I'm just trying to go down there. I said again on third and goal last night that when Sheffield Wednesday last got to the championship playoffs, what, five years ago, was it? Yeah, yeah. And like that, I'd never been to New Wembley and got tickets and we went down there and we lost that game 1-0. And before I went down and thought, we went down and back in the in the day, so it was a long day. Mm. And I thought, it's a long way to come back if you lose. Um, but I just thought, you know, I've never been to New Wembley before. I'm going to go down there, enjoy the day, enjoy the experience. And even though we lost, I still, I stuck to that and I still had a great day. Yeah. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm sure I will be good on Sunday if we don't win like, but I'm trying to stay <laughs> yeah. positive. Yeah, well, I've got the exact same thing, but next week after, I mean, when I'm seeing the Dolphins play, it's like the Dragons have been so bad. It'd be typical, I mean, we've been bad as well, but it'd be typical if, if we, um, you know, if we're the first team to lose the Jags, that'll be, um, that won't be great. So hopefully we're both happy after the after the final whistle in both games. Um, you sort of did answer my question beforehand, but I do like to ask all my guests who've been on before um, how they watch their NFL on Sunday. So how does a typical Sunday look in a sort of Rob Monk household? Um, well, I work Sundays, which is a bit of a nightmare, until 5.30. Um, so yeah. I walk up to the office at 5.30 on a Sunday. I get home. Um, as soon as I'm back, you know, 10 to 5 to 6, TV straight on, quick change, grab a beer. If the Falcons are on, I watch the Falcons game. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people still prefer to watch Red Zone. I don't totally get that if my team's playing and watching them. Yeah, yeah. Falcons yeah. game. Once that's finished, I'll put red zone on for the rest of them. Unless there's a game which really, really sticks out to me in the later kickoffs, which I think yeah. I want to watch that. But normally I just put red zone on afterwards for a few hours and just yeah, yeah. watch that. Um, if Falcons are on later, it's other way around. Red zone at six o'clock mm-hmm. until um, the Falcons kick off and then I'll watch that. Yeah, no fair play. Um, I had a slightly interesting week this week. Our um, our Wi-Fi went down in our house. Normally, I watch it sort of in the house, either on the TV or now I've moved to do my master's course in uni. I'm sort of living in a student house, and um, so I watch on my iPad, Red Zone um, on Game Pass, and um, the Wi-Fi went down the whole weekend. So I also watched Liverpool Man City in the pub beforehand, and then I I basically had to go to to a bar to watch it, which I which I rarely do. Um, because there was no Wi-Fi. So then I went to a walkabout in Brighton with the intention of, you know, watching it until midnight and then recording, finding internet somewhere and downloading the one o'clock game. 
but it was literally me. There was no one else in the pub apart from me. There was two guys watching the darts, but it was just me in this pub. <laughs> it was so depressing. I thought, you know what? I have to go back and just watch. So I watched the last hour of Red Zone in some internet cafe, <laughs> which I paid four pounds for for the hour. Um, like this all, um, this cafe that does like sort of breakfast baguettes and things like that. So I, I went there, had I had some food and watched Red Zone in this random um but get place near mine um shout out to five ways deli um and then yeah i, I then found some wife i downloaded the bucks patriots game and watched that um after my lecture like later on that day not knowing the result so that was quite an interesting week so i'm hoping next week i'll be able to um have a bit more of a easier ride um but normally i do watch it on sort of red zone or watch dolphins or game pass if they're playing at the same time um right we're going on to our week four um review um, so the week the week starts on a Thursday night as the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Jaguars uh, 24-21, despite being behind, I think it was something like 17-0 at halftime, 14-0. Um, and then to add all these Jaguars 0-4, where the Bengals are actually 3-1. They've had quite a impressive start to the season, but they do play the Packers and Ravens in the next three games. So we'll see the true Bengals soon. Um, the Buffalo Bills are truly back. They won 40-0 against the Houston Texans, who are also now back to being the team we all thought they'd be before the Steve's They won, they lost 40-0. Uh, Josh Allen was once again spectacular, as was Stefan Diggs and Devon Singletary. But the next game we want to focus on is, unfortunately for you, Rob, the Washington football team beating the Atlanta Falcons 34-30. So I missed a lot the first half due to getting down to this pub to watch Red Zone. But you, you, I'm guessing you watched the whole thing. So... What were your views sort of, of the game as it sort of transpired? Um, I think the Falcons did a good job of beating ourselves, which mm-hmm. sort of reminds me of the Falcons of the last couple of years, really, and it's a bit depressing. Um, I hoped with new coaching staff that sort of the culture that we had, particularly last season, early on, we lost like three games in a row, which we should have won. Uh, the Cowboys and Bears, and I can't remember who the third one was, the other part of last season. Um, but I sort of hoped that new coaching staff would sort of get rid of that culture and allow us to um, see games out when we're in a winning position. I think our offence is taking small steps forward. We managed to score 30 points. Um, what I've noticed in the first couple of games is that I feel like offensively everybody's struggling a little bit with the playbook. You often see them line up and then wide receivers are looking at Matt Ryan and shrugging the shoulders and he's telling them they're lined up in the wrong place and I just don't know if they're struggling to to learn it a little bit but we did seem a little bit more fluid this week our offensive line is not great um, but it's looking a little bit better Ridley and Pitts they're a little more productive on offense combined for 130 yards on 11 catches Cordell Patterson he led the team in receiving yards and rushing yards and had three touchdowns. And Matt Ryan had a flawless game with 283 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Defensively, I think if our offense can pick up and hopefully it will continue to improve because we have got some good offensive players. Defensively is somewhere that I think we knew we were going to struggle on all the way through this season because our defence is young, it's not that great. Um, but it hasn't looked too bad. It's had a few minor signs of life in the first three weeks, but it took a step back on Sunday. Um, we've got no pass rush beyond 
Jarrett and Fowler, our secondary is pretty poor. Special teams let us down in a position to win as well, allowing a 101-yard return for a touchdown. And then uh, defensively, I don't know if you've seen uh, McLaurin's touchdown in the mm. third quarter, I think it yeah, was. Yeah. Um, Fowler sort of gets to Heineke and he sort of spins away. And as he's falling, he just throws a ball in the air, which seems to hang in the air for an eternity, really. Mm. And TJ Green, a young, uh, is a young cornerback for us he had done a good job of containing McLaurin in the back of the end zone but then he just seems to go to sleep McLaurin just takes a step away from him he's under no pressure the ball just falls into his arms and you know it's players like that that with the amount of the pressure we got Heineke under the amount of time the ball spent in the air because it was literally looped up in the air and just hung there forever it should have never been a touchdown and sort of these individual mistakes, like I say, we had others, we had wide receivers, uh, you know, Ridley, Sakias, even Kyle Pitts at tight end. They missed, well, they dropped what were catchable passes. Um, we had a few golden opportunities to get interceptions as well uh, with Harris, which I think he had two or three where he could have got an interception and just like flying through the air and then dropped the ball. So, it was frustrating. I think it's the most frustrated I've been in the last couple of years. Um, like I said, I'm used to seeing the Falcons get into a good position and then throw it all away. But I just hoped that, you know, we knew what our strengths were on offense, although we're still trying to get used to the playbook. We know that we've got difficulties in defense, but we're trying to keep it relatively vanilla at the minute and just do what works for us um, but I'd hoped that we'd got rid of that culture of getting into good positions and then throwing it all away and to see that happen again was just demoralising really and uh, probably wound me up more than seeing it happen under Dan Quinn and Co the last couple of seasons um, and like you mentioned it's London this week and just that result and the Jets winning just puts a little bit more of a downer on it really yeah, and I think that the combination of that lo- that loss as well as a win for the Jets just for both so has that opposite effect for both teams. I think Jets fans will go into this game, the UK Jets fans will go into this game quite quite excited, quite looking forward to the they, I think they can win and then vice versa for you guys. You probably go into this game a bit sort of thinking, ah, oh, the Jets well, they they look quite good in the last game. So I think there'll be a sort of definite contrast in sort of emotions before the game, I think, for both for both fans. Because both teams know they're not going to, you know, challenge for playoffs, Super Bowls, etc. But obviously UK fans who maybe not seen them before live will want to go and watch them and see them win. So I think, yeah, I think we'll see a lot more excitement, I think, from the Jets fans and Falcons fans maybe. But maybe for you guys, maybe you think, oh, if there's one team we know we can beat, it probably is the Jets. Because even though they lost, they won last week, they are on a great side. They've been really poor apart from this last game and they beat a very inconsistent Titan side who were missing their two best wideouts. So I think that's an encouragement for you as well. The fact that even though you lost, you still put up 30 odd points. Um, I mean, uh, Cola Patterson was great on fantasy. He got obviously three touchdowns this game. So I think you've got a team there that offensively, I think can do something. I think it's just your defense that, that lets you down. Yeah. And Washington, they're no mugs either. I mean, they've got some players, which I really like. Uh, Antonio Gibson at running back, Terry McLaurin. Yeah receiver and Logan Thomas at tight end as well I mean Logan Thomas went out of the game with an injury and he didn't return and 
I think that helped us because there were a few players where um, Washington failed to capitalise and you just felt like, you know, Logan Thomas, although he's a tight end, he plays a lot of snaps in the slot and Mm. as a receiver and it just felt if he was there, then, you know, maybe the Washington offence might have got ticking a little bit more. But, you know, they're no mugs. They've got Chase Young um, on defence as well. We did a relatively good job of, you know, keeping him at bay. Um, but yeah, I just I feel like you know the, the Jets aren't a great offensively. Um, although us losing Isaiah Oliver um, and having to put um, a fifth round rookie is now atop the depth chart to place a slot corner. And uh, I guess James Crowder will be uh, licking his lips at that matchup on Sunday. So that could. You know, potentially be a bit dangerous, but I feel like it's probably going to be a game where the winner is going to be whoever makes the least mistakes. And I'm just hoping that we come with a good mindset and make the least mistakes. We made enough in Sunday to uh, yeah cover us for two weeks. So yeah, no, I think that. Um, I wish if we was on solve Matt Ryan, how, sorry, excuse me, how he's performed so far because Arthur Smith, the new head coach, sort of came in on the back of his reputation that he was sort of part of this Titans team that saw Ryan Tannehill improve so much since joining them from the Dolphins. Um, how do you think he's played this season so far, Matt Ryan? Um, I think he's been up and down. Um, like I say, he had a he had a great game on Sunday. Can't knock him at all. Two hundred eighty-three yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. There is, obviously, I follow a lot of Falcons media um, on Twitter and a lot of Falcons fans as well. And there's always a huge contingency um, of, I don't know whether Matt Ryan haters is the right word amongst the fan base, but there's a lot of people who feel like we should have moved on from Matt Ryan in the draft, although it wasn't possible for us to do so because of the, the cap constraints that we've got and the dead cap that he would have attracted. And then we uh, extended his deal, which has meant we can't move on from him this year and we can't move on from him next year. So we were stuck with him for two more years. Um, he's had some bad game in these four games. He's had a couple of bad games, a couple of good games. Um, personally, I love Matt Ryan. You can tell, I think before... Sunday night, he'd not thrown a pass for over 20 yards and people are starting to say, like, calling him noodle arm or, or whatever and he's losing his ability to throw the ball deep. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I love Matt Ryan. He's, he's been with the franchise for 14 years um, and I want to see him succeed. He is in the twilight of his career now at 38 years old or whatever he is and He's not going to go into his 40s, I wouldn't have imagined, and especially like Brady. Is Brady still playing like he's still playing like a 20-year-old? It's incredible, really. Um, I feel like if we'd have kept Julio Jones, maybe that might have given us, you know, with Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, and uh, Aiden Hurst, that that had given us so many options that people wouldn't have known who to cover and how to defend against us. Um, but again, we had to get rid of Julio Jones because of cap constraints. He didn't want to be there either. So it was a a move which was necessary and required. Um, but I feel like 
like I've said, I just feel like it's coming down to people learning the playbook. And I feel like there's been a bit of a lack of confidence there amongst from Matt Ryan and the receivers. And I just hope as the weeks go on that we get to learn this more. Um, on the ATL Falcons UK live stream, I was on, there were discussions on there about we didn't play one starter during preseason. And with a new coach coming in in a completely new playbook, should we have played some of our starters in preseason to help them learn the playbook? Um, because you can't learn everything on the training pitch. And our first three games have basically been our preseason games. And I think that's a tough one. I think, you know, now that we've not had the greatest start, people are saying new playbook, we should have played our starters in preseason. If we'd have done that and some of our key starters that have been injured, Arthur Smith would have been for that. And why did he play our starters in preseason? Um, so it's a it's a tough one, really. We've just got to. I'm just trying to look at this year with we're not in a great place with our roster. We're not in a good place with cap space, and we've got a new coach. It's all going to take time. Mm-hmm. Let's just hope we can get a few wins, particularly in London, um, and just it's going to take a couple of years, irrespective of of what our new GM and coach say when they came in and said, we're not here to rebuild, we're here to win now. Anybody with half a brain could see the Falcons weren't going to win now. Um, So I'm just, I'm looking forward to the change and just trying to be patient with it. Yeah, I'm looking at an article in The Athletic saying that uh, Matt Matt Ryan's denied reports that he wanted out of Atlanta. He said that I really, uh, Falcons callback Matt Ryan denied a report that he wants to leave the franchise and have a Matt Stafford off-season telling the Athletic on Tuesday, I really love it in Atlanta. So he clearly still wants to to stay there, but it's whether, you know, whether he is kept after two years is probably unlikely, but you, you never know. I think he can still have maybe one or two good seasons. Yeah, I think he's got the the stats there. I think it's just a team around him, especially defence, isn't anything special. Um but the next game we want to focus on before we do that, the Chiefs beat the Eagles 42-30 despite Hertz's 387 yards. The Tennessee Titans, as we mentioned before, lost in overtime to the New York Jets 27-24. And the New York Giants um, also won in overtime. They beat the Saints 27-21 at the Saints' first game back at the Superdome. Um, and the Cleveland Browns beat the Minnesota Vikings 14-7, uh, which has seemed like one of the worst games of the weekend. Um, right, next game is the Miami Dolphins lost 27-17 to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, this game was awfully frustrating. Um, I missed the first half again because I um, was watching the Matter team and I had to get to this bar, but it just seemed truly terrible. We had that one moment where, you know, where Brissett threw to Kaziki and I was like, oh, we got we got a chance, but it was still like really, and then I think from what, from what I saw in Redsman, it looked like they were just going to run down the clock. So I don't think we saw a play after that. I think that was the last one we saw uh, was Kasiki's touchdown. Um, so we're now one and three, and I think this is—it's just been such an. I mean, ever we all before season we all thought these were the hardest games off first six or seven, but I mean, we beat the Patriots seventeen sixteen, but we were, we were awful in both the Bills game and the and the game on Sunday against the Colts. And I think that we had that great end of the game against the Raiders, but even then we were still miles behind. So I think I I, I think. I'm hopeful that we're gonna we've got a better run of fixtures comes down the stretch. I think we've got people like the Texans, the Lions, and I'll just check the fixtures whilst I'm talking. But um, but yeah, I think we've definitely got any. We've got the Buccaneers, which is gonna be a definite loss, um, especially now they won the last game. Um, yeah, I, I just think that. I took now, I took now. So I got 
We're playing the, the we're playing the Jaguars next. Oh no, sorry, Buccaneers next. Then the Jaguars in London. Then you guys, the Falcons. And then we've got Bills, Texans. We've got Ravens. We've got Jets. We've got Panthers and Giants. Um, and my thing is just falling down. I know we've got obviously got to play the um, the Patriots again. I think that's um, later on in the season. So my, my laptop's not for some reason is frozen. I'm trying to scroll down the fixtures, but yeah, so I think we've got definitely got an easier run of fixtures come come the stretch second half of the season. But but I think we've got definitely against the Jaguars. There should be a win, but with all the with all the Urban Meyer stuff as well going on at the moment. Um, but I just think that we all sort of have criticised two in the past. I mean, me and you have both on your podcast and both my podcasts how we're not really big fans of him but he'd he'd be much better than Brissett. Brissett had that great touchdown the, the two-point conversion against Raiders but apart from that he's not done a lot not done a lot since coming in and he's been truly terrible um and I mentioned before I ranted about the screen pass play last week in the end zone Jalen Waddles done all right but he's had a few fumbles here and there Jakeem Grant had another fumble in this game but and he's now been cut so um I think I think with two are back, I think we'll be an improvement, but I still don't think we're going we're going to be anything better. Um, there's been reports this week actually, sort of this talk that Flores wanted Herbert, and um, both Chris Greer and Stephen Ross wanted um, Tua. So I think that, that I could I could sort of signify for me a bit of sort of unrest in the in the back office sort of thing if they're sort of if they're going if they want something different to what the coach wants. I think that's that could cause some problems later on down the line. But I do think that I do have faith. I do have faith that this is a tough start and the Buccaneers doesn't get any harder next week against them. I, I've got some confidence that we're going to have a good, get a few wins under our belt. We can build momentum, especially with two are back rather than Bissett. And I just think there's, there's a chance, there's a chance there. But I think from what I saw on Sunday, we didn't, didn't show much on Red Zone because the game was pretty much over. But once again, John, Jonathan Taylor, as expected, just absolutely ran through our defence. Uh, Carson Wentz, he's, he's had injuries to both ankles, but he still looked good against us. And again, same thing as the Bills. The Colts didn't need to be anything special because we let we we, we weren't anything great either. They the Bills in that game they won 35 0 but they weren't anything special. They didn't really get out of second gear. And it's the same thing with the Colts. Really, they didn't need to really, you know, get, go put too much effort in because we we were just terrible. And I think that um, the run game seemed non-existent. Um, I mean. Passing game, the set just seemed incapable of making any sort of any big throws. Um, good little short passes here and then, but overall it was a it was a horrible game. And I'm I've got this awful feeling that we're going to lose against the Jaguars. I've got an awful feeling we're going to be the first team to lose. I think they're going to they're going to you know being London's team, they're going to have a lot more backing than the Dolphins are, even though we're one of the most supported teams in the UK. Um, I just feel overall that there's going to be Jaguars are going to win this game. I've got a horrible feeling they're going to. Trevor Lawrence going to turn up. Their defense is going to turn up. I've got a horrible feeling that they're going to. They're going to. Um, they're going to do something in this game. Um, but the next game, um, so the um, Dallas Cowboys beat the Carolina Panthers 36-28. Um, Sam Darnold did have the most passing yards with 301, but Ezekiel Elliott had 143 rushing yards, with DJ Moore led the receiving yards with 113. Now on this game, I want to ask you a couple of couple of questions, Rob. First of all, um, are the Cowboys legit? Are they legit contenders for Super Bowl? And also, even though they, they lost their unbeaten start, the Panthers are now three and one. But are they still contenders for the playoffs? Um, <clears throat> the Cowboys, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd go as far as saying the Super Bowl contenders. Um, I think they're definitely 
going to uh, win that division at uh, Canter. They're the best team in there by far. Uh, last season, I don't think we saw the real Cowboys because they lost Dak for the season. They struggled with injuries all along the offensive line and all over the field, really. So to have everybody back uh, and healthy, and they are playing now like a team that's got a top-tier quarterback, which they have, and a great supporting cast around him, which they have. And I think that with this offence that the Dallas Cowboys have got, they can go out and score points on anybody. And on the day, they can put up a bucket load of points. And I think most teams in the league would be worried about facing that Dallas Cowboys offence. Question for them is, defensively, um, they have made some improvements. Dan Quinn going there as the defensive coordinator and they are looking a little bit better now on defence. They have had a few dodgy um, spells in these first few games so far, Um, but it's their offence, I think, which is literally, you could say that is a legit offence when it's firing. So I don't know if I'd push them as far as Super Bowl contenders. I don't think they are. I think there's better teams, better all-rounded teams than them. but, yeah, they might be sneaking into, if I was doing a power rankings right now, they'd probably be sneaking into my top 10, I'd imagine. Um, and on the Panthers, I wouldn't panic if I was the Panthers. Um, they've started the season 3-0. and They weren't outclassed. They had a 14-13 lead at half-time. They had a disastrous third quarter where the Cowboys scored 20 unanswered points. Um, Donald played really well in the first half, but the Cowboys did a better job of getting pressure to him in the second. And as you've said, the Panthers did struggle to stop the run play. They gave up 245 yards on the ground. Um, There were some decisions which didn't go their way, two potential forced fumbles in the first half. They missed a long field goal attempt at the start of the third quarter. The Cowboys dominated them on both lines of scrimmage. Um, their defensive line produced five sacks and two turnovers. Um, the Panthers were w- without some of their key men. Christian McCaffrey was out, JC Horn and Shaq Thompson. And I'm sure that the Panthers would be saying if we had those three players in our lineup, then we could have we could have won that game. And I think they could have done. Um, but you know that's the NFL, isn't it? Uh, it's all ifs and buts, and everybody's every team's dealing with injuries. Every team's without some key players. Um, So that argument probably loses a little bit of legitimacy. But I think the Panthers are doing a a good job. Uh, Now Sam Darnold's got away from Adam Gaze. He's actually starting to resemble a quarterback. Um, They're playing to his strengths. They're doing a good job of playing to his strengths. And they've got some great pieces around him. Um, DJ Moore, as you've said, led in receiving yards. Christian McCaffrey, best player in football. Um, He was out injured, but hoping to be back this week. So I think, you know, they've got a young head coach in Joe Brady. Um, They've got a young defence, which is on the rise. They're playing to everyone's strengths. They look well coached, well drilled. I wouldn't panic if I was them. And um, in the NFC South, they seem to be coming through at the right moment. Um, The Buccaneers, how many years have they got left? Obviously, they've got Tom Brady. They're going to be hit by cap constraints as well. They're not going to be able to keep all of their team together like they did 
this season um, as people want better deals and they've got less and less cap space. And then as Brady gets old, he's already old. But uh, if when he decides to retire, you can't imagine Gronk wanting to stay around. Um, and I think they'll start losing players and they'll start having to look at rebuilding. The Falcons and the Saints have uh, obviously the Saints have lost um, Drew Brees. Michael Thomas is injured. Um, they've they're in cap hell. They've somehow, which really pains me, they managed to navigate that quite well this off season. But they're going to be in cap hell again next year. The Falcons were poor on defense, and you know we've got an aging quarterback. We've got cap problems of ourselves. So as the other team, three teams in the NFC South are starting to be on the decline. The Panthers are in a good position where if they keep building in the right way, they could be thinking this division could be ours for a couple of seasons while everybody else has to sort themselves out. It's not going to be this year, might not be next year, but in two or three years' time, yeah, I think the Panthers would be a good shout to uh, you know, win the NFC South. Yeah, I think for me, the Panthers, even though they weren't great last year, I think they definitely showed to me potential, especially... Sort of the coaching of Matt Rule, I think, was really impressive, I thought, at times. Um, and I think in terms of that, the playoffs, I think the NFC North, I can't see the Vikings, all Bears, all Lions making the playoffs. Um, in terms of the NFC East, I, I clearly see really Washington at a stretch making the playoffs. Even then, they've sort of been disappointing, in my opinion. And then the NFC West is the one where you've got all four teams could potentially make the playoffs. I think one team maybe wouldn't be, maybe the Seahawks. Um, unless the Cardinals' start has been sort of false dawn. Um, so I think I can see all four teams from the NFC West making the playoffs. I can see either the Rams or Cardinals winning it, and I can see the 49ers and the Seahawks both having enough wins to make it as a wildcard team. And I also don't think the Falcons will make it. I don't think the um, the Saints will make it. I think they're way too inconsistent, especially at quarterback. We're seeing the, 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 the first four weeks has been such typical James Winston sort of play, where one week he's amazing, one week he's terrible. So I do think the Panthers have a chance. I think it will either be, I think the 49ers, the Rams, the Cardinals, Cowboys will guarantee, and Packers will guarantee the playoff team, same as Buccaneers. I think then it's really between the Seahawks, Panthers and Washington. I think for that last spot, personally, I think it'll be them three batting it out for, you know, for the end of the season. But I do think that as long as Darnold seems to love DJ Moore a lot more than Robbie Anderson, I think they've got quite a good pairing, those two. So I think that, um, if them two keep playing the way they are, I think they're going to win games offensively. And I think defensively, um, you look at someone like JC Horn, even Jeremy Chin as well. I think um, I think they got they got studs on defense as well. And I think that I think they were I think I'm looking at the defensive stats now. I think they're top or second. So no, they they were at one point um, total yards. They're in the top um, they're the top three. So yards given up. They're in, in terms of passing yards allowed. Um, they're in the top two. They're second. Only Buffalo's got more rushing there a bit further down. And then the points they've allowed, uh, it's only the Broncos and Bills that have allowed more less points than, than the Panthers. So I do think that we saw last year, they put all their draft picks on defensive players. I think these players are starting to come good. Um, Derek Brown's looking looking better. Um, and I think in that sense, I think they've got weapons on both sides of the ball that can really win them games. Um, but I think it'll be tough with that NFC West about getting in. And in terms of the Cowboys, I do think they are looking at the schedule. They've got to play the Giants, the Patriots, the Vikings, Broncos, Falcons, Chiefs, Raiders, Saints, Washington, Giants, Washington again, Cardinals, and Eagles. So I think there you've got at least seven or eight 
almost guaranteed wins on paper. I think the true test will be the Chiefs game. And that's on Sunday, November 21st uh, at 9.25pm English time. I think that that's going to be a huge test for them. They only lost by two points to the Buccaneers. I think they were really good in that first week. And I think they've been good ever since. Patriots will be hard against that good defence. Um, and I think that they've got a very... It's sort of a very favourable schedule and I think that that schedule alone may take them to the playoffs um, as division winners and then I think in terms of the, the whether they get in as a wild card whether they get in um, with, with a division bye um, I just think that they're going to be a team that can be anyone I think you know your head coach Dan Quinn I think he's really helped this defence improve they've already got improved stats on the defence in some areas so, so I do still think um, you know against the big teams, they may struggle, but I do think they're definitely one to watch out for. Um, other games in week four, um, the Chicago Bears gave Justin Fields his first win as a as a pro starter. They beat the Lions 24-14 to subject the Lions to a 0-4 start. The Seahawks um, beat the 49ers 28-21. And then uh, the next game I want to talk about is the Cardinals against the Rams. The Cardinals sent a run to 4-0. They beat the Rams 37-20, which now leaves Rams 3-1. Uh, Matt Stafford had a good day, 280 yards. Uh, Chase Edmonds got 120 rushing yards. And Justin Jefferson got uh, 90 receiving yards. Uh, Kyler Murray's tipping his early stake as being the MVP favourite. He had another impressive day, not only with his ball in the hands, but also on the ground. Um, looking at his stats now, so he threw for 268 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. And then ran for only 39 yards. But overall this season, he's probably been, I think Brady's probably the only one that maybe has been better than him so far. But I do think that so far, even though it's way too early to give MVP picks, I do think it will be between Murray and Brady as it's going at the moment. Um, in terms of the NFC West schedule, this is obviously a big game in terms of the standings and the division. Um, has this changed your opinion on who you think is going to win the NFC West? Because I don't think many have the Cardinals winning the division. I think most people have either the Rams or the 49ers winning the NFC West. Um, do you think it's one of the games where it's sort of a bit like the Saints paid Buccaneers last year where they beat them twice but lost them in the wild card? Um, do you think there's any any sort of meat into this argument that that's a good indicator for them winning the division, the Cardinals, or do you think the Rams are still the favourites? Um, well, they've put themselves in a, in a great position mm-hmm. to do when. I think this weekend will be interesting again because all the NFC West teams play each other again. Um, oh, yes, yes. So that is an opportunity there. If the 49ers and Seahawks can both get a win, um, then they could blow the NFC West wide open again and it's anybody's again. Um, but yeah, the Cardinals, they're a team I really like. I've got a soft spot for them. One of my best friends is a Cardinals fan. Um, I've seen them live twice, once in... Uh, Phoenix and what's at Twickenham um, and they've got a great team they've got weapons on offense as you've said Kyler Murray um, he's a he's a great quarterback and they've got some players on defense as well um, did I have the you're right I probably had the Rams and the 49ers I felt like the Rams are one of the best teams in the NFL I felt like the 49ers as I said throughout the off-season on pods that I've been on, is that I felt like the 49ers needed to keep everyone healthy because they were savage last season by injuries. And secondly, they were probably a, a great quarterback away from being legitimate contenders if they could keep everyone fit. You know, if 
there were early rumours early in the offseason when Rogers wanted out of Green Bay. He's from California. I think he was a 49ers fan growing up. If Rogers had gone to the 49ers, that would have made them Super Bowl contenders if they could have kept everybody fit. Um, the Cardinals, although I like the team, you look at that division and how stacked it is. And it was just such a difficult division to try and work out who would come out on top. But yeah, not many people probably had the Cardinals being 4 and Uh My friend actually gave me a stat yesterday. This is the first time the Cardinals have been the only remaining undefeated team in the NFL since 1974. And that year they went 7-0 and before they first lost the game. Wow. Um, so that's interesting. But, you know, you look so far through the year and the Cardinals, they've got the league's top scoring offence in addition to a top 10 scoring defence. Um, so the Cardinals, they do look like they are the real deal. The Rams, I think they were hurt by losing Cam Akers for the season. Um, I just feel like that meant they were going to have to rely more on the ball through the air which is probably not an issue when you've got Cooper Cup and uh, Robert Woods. Although Robert Woods probably hasn't fully got going this season, but Cooper Cup, he had a poor game on Sunday by the high standards it had set in week one, two and three. Um, but I just feel like if they'd have kept Cam Akers, if, he, if he'd not have been injured, then that would have give, given their offence more balance by we can run, feel like we can run the ball in more situations rather than having to rely on Daryl Henderson and obviously they signed Sonny Michelle in a trade from the Patriots as well. But obviously Cam Akers is a better running back than both of those two put together. So I think that does hurt them. But yeah, I think, you know, if the Cardinals can win this week um, and go 5-0, and then that's going to put them in pole position for the NFC West crown. Yeah, and I think with the Cardinals, I think they've got not only great, they've got great weapons on offence, they've got James Conner, who's been really impressive so far. He's got something like four touchdowns this season. Obviously, they've got Rondell Moore, who's been really impressive, DeAndre Hopkins. AJ Green's popped up there and then with a few um, contributions. Then even defence, you've got, obviously, Chandler Jones got the five picks in the first week. Um, you've got Byron Murphy's got three picks so far. I say someone's looked a lot better so far since uh, in his second year. Um, and I think... Um, in terms of, I think Cliff Kingsbury was sort of someone who was doubted before the season started, but so far it's all been good for him. And I think his sort of proverbial hot seat position seems to be no no more. I think he's definitely got a job saved for another year. Um, and I think in terms of the Rams, I think we may see Woods, I think, in, in the next few weeks really pop up because I think that game proved that teams know they can stop the Rams by stopping Cooper Cup. So I think now you may see them target Woods more because it's clear that Stafford and Cup have a great connection. They've showed it so far in the first three weeks. So I think that the more teams that you know, double-team Cup and uh, and things like that, I think that may lead them to they'll go more towards more towards Woods, more towards Van Jefferson, more towards to Sean Jackson. I think that that will also go in their favour because that's not a bad three receivers to, to be second or third choice behind Cubs. So I think um, Sean McVay's still got a record of not not losing games despite being 14. Um, he's got he won 40 games in his career when he's been leading a half-time and not lost a single one. So I do think that both teams, I think, will be at least in the playoffs, at least in the divisional round. Um, I still have my doubts over Kyler Murray. Um as a passer, I think he's amazing on his feet, and I think he's been great so far with with, with sort of ball in the air. But I, I just I still have the doubts. But I had the same doubt about Josh Allen at the start of last season. So you probably shouldn't listen to my views. But um, but yeah, I think 
both teams have been really impressive. I think both teams are going to be there and thereabouts come come sort of January, February sort of time. Um, other games that happened on the weekend, um, the Green Bay Packers won 27-17 against Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the game that saw Ben Roethlisberger throw his 400th career touchdown pass, uh, which now has him tied sixth with Dan Marino. Um, and then the Baltimore Ravens um, broke a really old record in their 23-7 win over the Broncos, who now go 3-1. I think they now they equal the record from the 1970s. I'll get the stat for you now. It was from the 1970s Steelers. Um, they rushed. They now rushed for 100 or more yards in 43 consecutive games, which is the most since the 43 set by the 1974 to 1977 Steelers. And if anything, watch this game. They actually managed to get the record on the very last play with three seconds left, which seemed to infuriate the Broncos coaching staff um, on this one. Um, but then the next game, the big game we want to talk about was Tom Brady's return to New England as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the New England Patriots in Gillette Stadium in uh, 1917. Um, it was a game that was probably the most hyped up game in years. Um, it was sort of, oh, everyone, knew, everyone beforehand knew what was going on. It was Tom Brady. Shea was on at 1am, to be honest. Um, it was Tom, Tom Brady's return. It was all just build up before the game. Um, the game itself wasn't quite as high scoring as we all imagined, but I thought it was still a very thrilling game. What did you think, Rob? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if I'd go as far as thrilling. Um, I know Dan, obviously one of the co-hosts on Third and Goal, he's a Bucks fan, he stayed up and he said he wasn't that thrilled by it either. Um, I think that it's not the actual game in terms of scoring. I think the very end I found was the three, but I think the whole game was very underwhelming. But I think that sort of that last maybe five, six, seven minutes of the fourth quarter when it was sort of one or two points in it, I think for me that was very exciting. But I think even when the that late drive by the Patriots, I think that that part was exciting. I think more than the rest. Of it. I think the rest of it was pretty mediocre, um, especially the first half. But I think I think the game I found the game very exciting because it was just that thing of being so close to the score and I think this is why I actually found the Super Bowl with the Patriots and Rams quite entertaining for the same reason it was that sort of the next touchdown is going to win the game and I found, I found those kind of defensive shootouts sometimes as exciting as those sort of high scoring games um, but yeah I'll let you carry on Rob about this yeah, game Yeah well I mean the main talking point for me is and I put this to Dan uh, on third and goal when we recorded that was uh, should Belichick have gone for it on fourth and three from the Tampa mm. 7 with 59 seconds left um, obviously, if they don't get the first down, they lose the football. Um, but they missed a 56-yard field goal attempt, and uh, next-gen stats were actually giving them a higher win probability before the ball was snapped if they'd have actually gone for it on fourth down rather than attempt a field goal. Um, since 2010, NFL teams have made 61.1% of field goals from 56 yards out. That drops to 58.8% in outdoor stadiums. And during that same period, teams have converted 48.1% of the time on fourth and three. Um, Amazing stat. stat. Thank you, Rob. That's all right. Um, (laughs) When you consider as well it was raining, um, their kicker had been dealing with a knee injury, and he hasn't hit a field goal from 56 yards or longer since 2010, I don't think I'd have been kicking the field goal. Um, I'd have gone for it on fourth and three personally. Um, another reason being that you know if you kick the field goal, um, Brady gets the ball back with 53 seconds left. Um, he's got two timeouts remaining. 
I think he can put them back in field goal position to for them to then win the game. So I think I'd have gone for it on fourth and three, uh, taken the risk. They missed the field goal anyway, so um, and the odds weren't particularly in their favour. Um, like I say, with the rain, the knee injury to the kicker and the fact he's not kicked a field goal from that distance for 11 years. Um, and then just try and run the clock down and get in a bit of a better position. The books they had lost three cornerbacks, I think, to injury. So they were down to bare bones at cornerback. And I think Mac Jones had had some uh, real success in targeting his wide receivers. And I just feel like, you know, they could have they could have got that um, on fourth and three. And I think if I was Bill Belichick, that's what I'd have been doing. I don't know about you. Yeah, I definitely would have gone for the. Um, I would have gone for the, um, gone for the fourth and goal, uh, fourth um, fourth down play. Cause I think that it's just if it was a dry conditions, it was sunny, no wind. I would have I, I would have understood it. But I think for me, the fact that it was, I myself, I've been to the Gillette Stadium in December. I know how windy and cold it is and rainy. So I do think that for all those factors combined, weather wise, I think especially being. It wasn't 20 yards out, it wasn't 30 yards, it was 55, 56 yards away. So I would have gone for it as well, because, again, it wouldn't have put the Buccaneers in too much of a dangerous field territory either. Um, so I, I would have personally gone for it, uh, because I think that, you know, again, if if he scored, if he'd scored the kick, if he'd, if Nick Falk had converted the field goal, I think we would have been going, oh, that was a great call, but I think it was just because he missed. And he was actually quite close, it just hit the upright. Um, and... Amazing, actually, sound from the from the crossbar. But um, but yeah, I just think that I think the pages were, I think the pages look really impressive. I think Mac Jones looked really composed for a rookie. Um, sort of, he looked. If any of you watched sort of the America's Game and Brady's first season, it's very similar to that in terms of yeah, Brady wasn't the finished piece in his in his first or second or even third year, but he was very reliable, very sort of solid. He wasn't he wasn't going to get like 40 yards of touchdowns a year and stuff like that but I think that he was sort of seen as like a game manager and I remember there was a lot of debate over Bledsoe and Brady when that first came about and I think a lot, a lot of people viewed Brady as sort of a game manager and nothing more not a high ceiling um, so I do think that with Mac Jones yeah there's probably more you can do in his game but I think in terms of what he's showing for a rookie as well is very impressive and I think that given sort of better receivers out there it's got a good defense. I mean, Matt Julong was excellent. He was probably the best player on the pitch for the page on the field for the Patriots. He was, and even Tom Brady was acknowledging it after the game. He was sort of, um, obviously jokingly teasing him, saying that he was trying to kill him and things like that. So yeah, I just think that um, both teams can go away happy. I think the Buccaneers can be happy to get back to winning ways before they beat us next week, and that the Patriots can also be happy with the performance they kept it tight. A lot of people thought it was going to be a one-sided affair, which it wasn't. I think overall both teams can go away quite happy with 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 this um, performance. Um, Fred, who was on the podcast in week one, he obviously is a big Patriots fan. He couldn't make it today, but he will. Um, he has sent us a soundbite, so um, I wouldn't. If you um, will play now, his soundbite. Um, yeah, to be honest with you, it wasn't. Um, 
wasn't as I guess bad as I thought it might be. I think um, there's a lot of goodwill towards Brady for obvious reasons, and the fact that you know he would have stayed if we'd offered him a two-year contract um, at that point is something which I think means we don't blame Brady for leaving. Um, I think the fact it was a close game helped as well, um, but no, you know, no hard feelings at all. And um, although it was obviously a bit weird and a little bit uncomfortable, it was uh, yeah as good as it could be. Well, thank you, Fred, for that soundbite. Um, news actually came out today, actually, talk of the Patriots. They've released cornerback Stephon Gilmore, um, which is, I think, quite a surprise. Um, I think the reason was for Gilmore miss, was um, the Gilmore being dropped was to do with... Um, here, I've got the... Where's the... Um, I think it's something to do with injury problems. I think, hey, our Patriots are releasing four-time Pro Bowl cornerback Stephon Gilmore, who was eligible to come off the physically unable to perform list after week six. So I don't know what's gone on there, um, reason why, but um, that is quite a surprise to me. I know he had he had, his, he had, he had a he had a great 2019. He got Defensive Player of the Year. Um, also, he didn't have a, the best 2020, but I still think he was definitely one of the top five or at least top seven or eight cornerbacks in the league. Um, so that was quite surprising to me. Um, now, one team who I think, I don't know whether you agree, Rob, who will go to with all their cornerback issues, uh, including this game we just talked about, uh, Buccaneers. I think you know, being back with Tom Brady, that appealed to him. All their problems they've had in in the cornerback situation, they've had to re to sign um, Richard Sherman. That's how desperate they were. Um, and obviously, uh, uh, Carlton Davis got injured. Murphy Bunting got injured in we in early on in the season. Uh, they've had real problems in that secondary, which wasn't filled with depth in the first place. Is that where you see Gilmore going, Rob? Um, yeah, possibly. Um, we all know that Brady has had some influence on bringing people in. Uh, Gronk is obviously one of the big ones, um, but I think he also wanted uh, Antonio Brown to go there um, and Bernard as well, um, who sign for them this year so if he turns around and says you know gets on his phone to uh stefan gilmore then yeah i wouldn't be surprised um obviously he's been on the physically unable to perform list so how fast is he going to be how fast is he going to be ready to go um that's going to be a question and obviously i think what played into it for the pats was He's been on the physically unable to perform. They felt like he wasn't able to come in and, and play yet. It was going to take time until at least midway through the season. And it gives them an opportunity to free up some cap space. So I think it was was a surprise. He is a great player when he's fit. Um, but the Patriots have obviously looked at it and felt like it was the right move for them. Mm, yeah, I think wherever he goes, he's going to want to go to it. He's going to want to get another ring. So I think wherever he goes, it's going to be to a contender. So I don't think the likes of, you know, like Lions or Vikings are going to be interested in, but he's going to want to go to, or even Miami for that matter. But I think, you know, if the Chiefs come calling, if the Buccaneers come calling, if um, the Cowboys or anyone who comes in who's sort of that sort of ilk, like Packers, I keep, Packers could be a good shout. They're not exactly blessed in, in the secondary, I think, uh, quarterback-wise. I think they also they got Jay Alexander, um, so yeah, maybe someone like the Packers, but I think it'll be personally, maybe um, I think Buccaneers will go for him personally. Um, before we go to our final game, I've been updating everyone on my on my team for fantasy every week. 
Uh, I don't know whether you've been listening to these podcasts, Rob, about my my four man league. I've got an incredible team. That was Dear Own Three. Um, I actually won. I actually won my first game in one of my. I'm four zero and three in one of my other two. But this one, I was not zero and three. I'm now one and three. I managed to get 193 points or something. But um, my team, Rob, is it's incredible how it was zero and three. It was um, either Rogers or Lamar Jackson at quarterback, Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Tyree Kill, Stefan Diggs, George Kittle or Mark Andrews, Taylor McLaurin, Cooper Cup, Sanders, and the Washington defense with. Um, Antonio Gibson, DJ Moore, and Mark Andrews as the as the bench players. I mean, can you believe that was that was zero and three that team? Uh, no, but I mean, you say it's a four man league, is it? Yeah, so it's me and three mates. One of them is a massive NFL fan, and one isn't really. And he seems to have the best players at the moment. But yeah, so uh, I guess everyone's going to have a stacked team, really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So like um, the team I'm playing next week. Uh, they've got Kyler Murray, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin, Travis Kelsey, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Harrison Butker, and the Rams defense. So that is actually quite a stacked team. I didn't realize how stacked that was. So I think, yeah, it's quite interesting that you, in any, if you had that team in any other league, you'd win every week, or even yeah. in, in real life. Um, so it's a, I, yeah, I, was just, I thought with that league, was, I was destined to win like all my games, but <laughs> it probably is just because. All the other teams are also quite stacked. But the worst thing is, the team that's got that team was auto-pick. He couldn't even make it. So all his players, apart from, apart from Nick Chubb, were all picked on auto-pick. So um, a bit annoying when we losing to an auto-pick team. But anyway, we digress. Um, the final game was the Monday Night Football and AFC West special between the Chargers and the Raiders in the SoFi Stadium in LA. The Chargers beat the Raiders 28-14. The Chargers were fourteen. Um, were twenty-one nil up, I think they were, and then the Raiders came back before Chargers got a late touchdown to win the game uh, by fourteen points. Um, Justin Herbert was the man again. He got two hundred twenty-two yards, um, forever making Dolphins fans cry, including myself. Um, Austin Eckler got one hundred seventeen yards from rushing, and um, uh, that, um, Jared Cook, the tight end, got the most receiving yards with seventy. Um, so Raiders were one of the teams who were three zero before the week started. They are now three and one, leaving the Cardinals, the only team left unbeaten. Um, and the Chargers, how special is Justin Herbert? He was just exceptional Monday night, especially. How special was Justin Herbert? How just how far do you think he can go? Um, yeah, he's a he's a great player, and um, I can remember last season watching him on Hard Knocks in his rookie season and. Seemed like during training camp, as you'd expect, he was having some struggles. Um, but I'm guessing that the Chargers organisation had a wish that they'd have started him um, at the start of the season rather than roll with Tyrod Taylor. Because as soon as Tyrod had that um, bad injury, um, where it was Tyrod, wasn't it? Who mm, yeah, yeah. Was with the broken ribs or whatever. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And Herbert came in and he took to it straight away and he's a special player. He's only his second year, but he looks like he's been in the league for years. Um yeah, he could you know, he could go all the way and, and be a great, great quarterback in this league for, for many years to come. And Chargers there off to their first three and one starting seven years. As you've said, Herbert and Eckler, they both had great games. But the defense defence as well did its job against the um, Raiders, who were one of the best league, uh, best offenses in the league statistically, 
Um, they did a great job. The Raiders couldn't get the run going. Um, the Chargers have struggled against the run so far this season. So they did a good job against uh, the Raiders' run game. They're going to have a tougher task this week coming, playing against uh, the run with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt at the Browns. Uh, but yeah, they did a great job. The Raiders, they struggled in the first half, as you've said. Picked it up in the second half. Um, what a great route that uh, Hunter Renfrew mm. run. I don't know if you've seen yeah. it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was incredible. Yeah, great route they ran. And Carr got the, got the ball straight into his chest. Uh, great touchdown. Um, but it came a little too late for the Raiders. And that's sort of been, you know, they do seem to pick it up in the second half. Um, but you can't continuously win games by playing for only the second 30 minutes rather than the full 60. And uh, they got found out this week with the Chargers. Yeah, and I think that um, with Renfro as well, I mean, not just that, I mean, also the play he made on special teams with the uh, when when the um, Chargers attempted the fake, fake pantal with the, on the fourth down, Renfro, even before the ball was snapped, he was running towards Ebbets. So he knew, he knew, he had the awareness to know what was coming and to stop them getting that, getting that first down and um, cause a turnover. So I, um, I think he's always been someone very, very underrated, Hunter Renfro. I think he, whenever he, he plays, he always seems to do a job, uh, but he doesn't get the stats or enough receptions to really prove that. Uh, but yeah, the Chargers, I'm looking here, they are the fourth worst team in terms of rushing defence. Only the Chiefs, Eagles and Seahawks have, have allowed more rushing yards this season than the Chargers. Um, and I think that, with her, but I think it's amazing that, you know, to come in to a game not knowing you're starting up to about 10 minutes before against, at, at the time, the reigning champions and the Chiefs, who were obviously exceptional, on, on especially on, on their offence. So I do think that for his first game to take Mahomes and that Chiefs team to overtime and lose by just three points, um, I think that was a sign even then that he was going to be a special player. To do that when you first start without really any previous knowledge you're going to play, um, I think he's just obviously got Rookie of the Year. He had an exceptional rookie season. And I know the, the, they were talking about on the on the game about the stats he broke about being only the third callback to um, the third callback to throw for five thousand yards in their first so and so games, or the third quickest callback to make five thousand yards in their career. Um, I think only Mahomes and Kurt Warner were the other two. I think so. Um, he just looks a special talent. I think that he probably is so far been the best callback of the whole draft. I mean. Pre-draft, we were all saying, you know, Burrow and Tua were the best two callbacks in the draft. Some people were saying Herbert was was a reach at six. Some people were saying that, you know, he um, could be a bust. But it turns out that the actual bust was the pick before. So it's, um, yeah, it really is just, I think he seems like a really level-headed guy. Doesn't seem to be too arrogant. Seems quite humble. Um, I think he's living out his dream. You saw from his, the card they keep showing on games that, um four-year-old card they keep showing relentlessly that he, he wrote down he wants to play for the Chargers. Um, so, yeah, I think that he, I think personally, once Brady retires, once Rodgers retires, I think he'll be in the top three or top four quarterbacks in the league. I think only really is going to be, only really going to be Mahomes and maybe the Mar Jackson that'll be considered higher than Herbert. I think that it's not only for him that he's got Mahomes in the same division. I think it'd be amazing if, you know, he was on an NFC team and it could have been Mahomes against Herbert in a Super Bowl. Or even it could be, hopefully, you know, it could be an AFC Championship game. That would be amazing if you had Herbert against Mahomes in the AFC Championship game. 
maybe not this year, but maybe the year after or something like that. But I think, yeah, this, I think the Chargers team, I think, look very good. And I think that Brandon Staley was someone I was very sort of high on before the season started. I think Ollie Conley, a previous guest, did a great article on him pre-season. Um, and I think, yeah, he seems to have really got this team playing the way he wants them to play. And I think he's got obviously a defensive uh, coordinator before joining the Chargers with the Rams. And obviously they were so good last year. He's just brought it over, really. And he's just brought over an amazing sort of system, an amazing scheme. So I think the Chargers will make the playoffs. I think they're, I'm really high on them. I think they'll make the playoffs. Corey Lindsley's been an excellent addition to centre. Um, so, yeah, I think personally um, that it will be probably not. It'll be a, definitely a wild card rather than division. In what has been a hard division, even though the Broncos, I think personally, were a fortunate 3-0 team. But I think they'll make the playoffs. And I think that they'll make at most maybe division around. I can't see them you know, beating the Bills or the Chiefs or even the Ravens for that matter. So, yeah, how far do you, how far do you think they'll go in the, in the postseason if they even make it, Rob? Um, yeah, I mean, I like like the Chargers a lot as well. Um, and, yeah, I think they'll, they're probably a few years away yet from being a legitimate contender, I think. Um, but, yeah, yeah I imagine they're, they're going to get to the playoffs, um, you know, whether they can... You know, when you get to the playoffs, anything anything could happen there. Um, yeah. But I do think, like you've said, they're a couple of years away from being a legitimate contender, but they've got plenty of pieces on that team that are great pieces to have. And it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they grow over the next year or two. And especially guys Herbert continues to learn the league and improve further, which is quite scary because he's already playing at such a high level so early on. Um and yeah, I agree with you that he will be one of the top quarterbacks in the league for, for years to come. Definitely. But that, that is the end of our podcast. But before we go, um, what are your predictions for this game on Sunday against the Jets in London? Are you going to win? Are you going to get it done? Oh, I don't know. It's, as I said at the start, I think it's going to be a tough game. Whoever makes the least mistakes, I think maybe... My thought process has been clouded a bit based on the manner of our loss and the fact that the Jets got their first win. I think if the if we'd have managed to hold on and the Jets had a loss, I'd have been feeling way more confident. Um, but as things had panned out, it sort of knocked that confidence a little bit. We are a better team than the Jets. I'm hoping we've got enough. I've got to go with the Falcons. Uh, Falcons win, right? And what's, and what's the score going to be? Oh. I'm going to go 28-17. Oh, that is that is brave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for I'm going for a I'm going for a tie. I'm going to be a bit bold. I'm going to put 17-17. I think both teams are as bad as each other and I think that what the Jets seem to have on defence at times, the Falcons have an offence, I think vice versa. So I do think, personally, that is going to be, you know, I think it could be, the, I think there's only one before, was it Redskins against Bengals? Or not Redskins, Washington against the Bengals, I think, the only other tie we've seen in London. I think, personally, we're, we're, after all the anticipation of having no games last year, I think we'll see, uh, see a draw. <laughs> I, I'm going to go for it, I'm going to be a bit bold on that one. Whereas our game, I think we're going to lose to the Buccaneers by 30 points. I think we're going to lose maybe 44-14. Uh, 
that's why I'm going to go for 44. So I think the Buccaneers, even though their secondary isn't great, I just think they're going to, that offense is way too good. And I think we've got, we got a good defense ourselves, but I think with our O-line, with Brissett playing quarterback, uh, I just can't see it happening. Um, but do check out our football podcast, uh, which we call every week. We are recording that tomorrow night, uh, where we talk all things English, French, Spanish and Italian football. Uh, but do also check out the Third and Goal podcast with Rob, Fred and Dan. Uh, they do it every week. They review every week as well as preview the following week coming up. And they did also do some um, sort of team reviews after the end of last season. So do check it out. Um, at the Third and Goal podcast on Spotify and Apple, Play- Apple Podcasts. And thank you again, Rob, for being a guest on the podcast this week. We will be back next week with Steve and Luke from the Hairdryer podcast. Um, so we'll see you then and take care. Thanks, Andy.